Welcome back to another episode of 10 Years War. On this very special Halloween episode, we dive deep into the scariest thing on the planet. That very thing looking right back at you from the other side of the mirror. And every scary story, most of them will have some sort of angle where they're looking at the mirror. The main character looks at the mirror and we know something's gonna jump out from behind or as they close the mirror door. And it's always right there looking at you. In today's episode, we have one and only Celestina Martinez taking a deep dive, looking at the thing that can actually scare us the most. That thing that you're always looking back at and it's looking back at you. In her story, Heritage Horror. Take a listen, if you dare. <laughs> I had a lot of questions growing up. Why did mom leave when I was two? Will I ever leave Michigan? Do people think I'm my dad's child? Today, I want to ask you a question. Do you know where you belong? Have you been accepted or abjured? I've asked myself these questions a lot as a child. Even now, I find myself asking these questions. I know where I am. I'm a university student. I've been accepted into the UIW nursing program. I'm the pre-nursing society president, and I'm an undefeated speaker veteran. I know what I have. I have my husband, a fur baby, supportive family and friends. But at 19, I still don't know who I am. Let me take you to the beginning. One of our nightly family rituals growing up was watching TV shows about urban legends. We watched Mountain Monsters, Finding Bigfoot, Destination Truth, Monsters and Mysteries in America, you name it, we watched it. If the programs weren't enough already, we listened to the tales of monstrous beings. Out of all the monsters that graced my screen, and my ears, only one altered my brain chemistry, La Lechusa. There's different versions of the story, but overall, La Lechusa is a witch. Using her malevolent gifts, her body is mutated to take the form of an owl. As the haunting owl, La Lechusa delivers messages of death and sorrow. She'll warn of a spell cast onto you, or bear news that death is arriving. If you're a victim of La Lechusa, resist the urge to communicate. Cut the creature out and bring a cross close to her. She will become startled and flee. Mentioning La Lechusa still creates fear deep down in my soul. My face warms and transforms into a rose petal. My hands have no control and begin to shake. My body tenses and chills dance along my back. Despite the fear instilled in me, my dad wanted me to open the eyes to the possibility of these evils existing. My mind fills with doubt when the supernatural is at stake. Witches killed at the stake, vampires killed with a stake. I've been gambling with guilt. All bets are off. This lie has high stakes. These are television programs and urban legends after all, right? I'd soon prove myself wrong. All my life I watched and listened to these monsters not knowing I was one myself. On June 9th, 2004, I was born to a Hispanic father and a half Maltese mother in Rochester, Michigan. Michigan will always be my home. I lived there for 13 years. I mean, how could it not? Yet, I've remained indifferent with the state since leaving. As I've aged, I've realized how hollow my life was here. 
Growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood with a brown dad and a brown grandma was bound to raise some eyebrows. In Michigan, I felt safe but restricted. I looked like everyone else, but it was a facade. My heritage didn't make the cut. I never felt like there was room for my heritage to shine. We never celebrated Hispanic Heritage Month or Dia de los Muertos. But of course, we celebrated Cinco de Mayo. I guess that's gotta count for something, right? But even when I tried to represent my heritage then, it was questioned. Around the year I was in kindergarten, maybe first grade, I wore a Mexican sundress my grandpa had bought me from San Antonio. I was in love with this dress. I thought this dress made me Hispanic. It represented who I wanted to be, or be seen as. As fast as the excitement came, it was gone. I don't remember much from this day, but I remember being questioned. Why are you wearing that? She shouldn't be wearing that. She's white. At five years old, Hispanic. I questioned my choices. Do I belong in this apparel? Do I belong with this culture? The dress fit me, but when they addressed me, I didn't fit in. While in elementary, I was one of four Hispanic students. In the whole school. The whole school. And of those other three students, one was my brother. It was practically the same in middle school. I had met maybe two or three Hispanic students. Being a small percentage of the school's population meant my name was unforgettable. This helped me feel in touch with my heritage. Even if I didn't look Hispanic, at least you could tell by my name. But I felt displaced. My appearance didn't match what was believed of me. How can she be white but Hispanic? Does my color identify how Hispanic I can be? Can you relate to this? I'm sure you can. You know how it feels to be too much of a thing for one person and not enough of another thing for someone else? In eighth grade, my wish had finally come true. We were moving to Texas. Yeehaw! After I had dealt with all these monsters in Michigan, I thought I left them behind. But it turns out, San Antonio has its own monsters. In the 70s, out on Highway 90, a handsome devil entered El Camarancito, a local nightclub. He had everyone's attention. He was attractive, his clothes were stylish, and his moves, extraordinary. The ladies in the club were mesmerized by him. While dancing with one woman, she happened to glance down at his feet. <coughs> she screamed. Her smile warped as she began to realize what she was looking at. The man's legs had been replaced with the feet of a chicken. All eyes were on the couple. As the tension rose, the devil charged into the restroom. As the men raced after him, they were greeted with a cloud of smoke and the smell of sulfur. Someone had told my great-grandma this tale. My great-grandma shared this story with my dad, and then he shared it with me. Now the cycle continues as I share it with you. The constant spread of this information leads the main character to forever live as the devil. Did this story actually happen? Is it more myth and magic, or true and tragic? It made me think about you. Yes, you. How will your story be told? How do the other people see you and tell your story? Do you correct the errors, or do you let wildfire spread? Despite my excitement for this change, I was unprepared for the shift in culture. Even though I was Hispanic, my color overshadowed my heritage. In high school, I had these two friends. Let's call them Summer and Cameron. One day, Summer and Cameron saw my dad at Petco. 
Camera and I were close at the time. She knew my family very well. On the other hand, Cameron had never met my family before. Summer says, hey look, that's Celestina's dad. Cameron responded, that's Celestina's dad? I thought he was tall, white, and skinny. If you know my dad, you know this description is a full 180. Although it's funny looking back, I realize some people will look at your color and assume it's your culture. I will never be able to change my color, but I can change my culture. I can embrace my culture. Texas has brought enormous opportunities for me. I found my footing here and built an empire. I was accomplished and proud of how far I had come. I went from thinking I'd never make it to high school to graduating with an associate's degree and a diploma. I went from thinking I'd never be someone or something to realizing my calling is in nursing and public speaking. Yet the last thing I expected was to feel distance from my family. I was once told that a cousin of mine said, Celestina doesn't talk like the rest of the Martinez family. I didn't know how to take this in. I didn't think they meant it in a negative way, but it got me thinking. Am I different from the rest of you? What did I do to be questioned? As of now, October 30th, 2023, I'm still struggling to come to terms with who, or rather what, I am. I'm not white. I'm not Maltese. I'm not Hispanic. Rather, I'm a mixture. In my eyes, I'm a monster. Maybe not a creepy, crawling, blood-sucking, howl-at-the-moon Jacqueline Hyde, but I know what it means to creep and crawl and howl and hide. This combination prevents me from fitting in a box. I wanted to conform to one of these cultures, but I couldn't. I never felt that I had enough in me to call myself Hispanic or Maltese. Based on color, I forced myself to believe that I had to be white, when technically, I wasn't. If there's this beautiful mix of heritage in me, why would I hide this? Why do we hide who we're born to be and think that's the same as fitting in? After years of being questioned about my parents, my apparel, and my appearance, I was angry. I had this love for my culture, and based on the opinions and comments of others, I felt that I had to repress and refine this side of me. Slowly, through the process of self-reflection and criticism, I began to understand how to come to terms with my witch's brew of ancestry. Even monsters have a message. I want you to write that down. I'm not saying you're a monster, but every monster has a message. There's some life lesson we can learn from these myths and monsters. Dracula drains the blood from his victims to survive. He's a life sucker. There will be people in your life who will misuse you. They'll drain your life until you're a shell of yourself. Dracula is also typically insanely charming. Some of the people that mean you the most harm will know how to seduce you into a dark corner. Be careful of the Dracula in your life. Just because he has a cape doesn't make him super, man. Werewolves transform when the full moon glows bright. Beware of the people who show their true forms when the right light is shining. Some monsters in your life will have double personalities, double mindsets, double appearances, and double appetites. Many horror movie monsters wear a mask. Jason, Scream, Michael Myers, Scooby-Doo villains. They wear this to hide their true identity. The mask makes them appear as a monster, but underneath the mask, they're human. Are you masking your true identity? What's underneath your insecurity? What's underneath your monster mask? 
Who are you truly? Do you wear the mask to scare off others? Or do you wear the mask to cover the monster underneath? Being uncomfortable with your culture can lead to modifications. You constantly want to change to fit in. Where will this lead us? Spider-Man's Dr. Curtis Connors was disgusted with himself. After losing his arm, he was obsessed with finding a treatment. He began to study cellular regeneration. After attempting to regenerate his arm, he created a monster. He turned himself into a nasty green scaly lizard looking creep. All that intelligence and for what? You still don't know how to love yourself? All he did was make himself more of what he already thought he was. A monster. Friends, the end of the story is loving yourself. You're beautiful and you do matter. Take off the mask, take off the modification, and use your mess to find your message. Say it again with me. Use your mess to find your message. As far as my story, I'm still writing it. I'm learning to love myself and be in love with the idea that I am literally the only one of me in the entire universe. Maybe that makes me weird. Maybe that makes me perfectly imperfect for my purpose, but I can't wait for the next chapter.